The In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. podcast. Please like the podcast, podcast. and subscribe podcast. to this channel. Podcast. Thank you. Podcast. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. The very best way to promote your podcasts. Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information, visit podpage.com. The future of podcast promotion. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. In this episode, we continue with part three of the Men and Relationships mini-series. My guest is the CEO of your Epic Adventures and Men Strategist, Arnie Fonseca Jr. Hi Arnie, welcome to my podcast series. How are you? I am wonderful, Nigel. I appreciate you uh, extending your hand and uh, asking me to be a part of your show. I hope I can bring some value to you and your audience. Well, it's great to have you here. So where do you live at the moment? Phoenix, Arizona, in the um, United States. So did you grow up there? I sure did, yeah. So what was your childhood like? It was a, it was a pretty good childhood. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I, did, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but I had a very loving mom and grandmother and uh, two bro- a brother and a sister, and we were in a very low middle-class home, went to an upper-middle-class school, had lots of friends and participated in sports and a lot of freedom running around the streets to all hours of the night and lots of safety and mom coming out and yelling it's time to come home and um, always felt secure and loved so um, you know it's one of those things that you see in the movies and the in the books from the 50s and 60s and that that was my life. I understand you have a master's degree in wellness and exercise science so why did you choose to study those subjects? Because I've always loved health and fitness for myself as a young man, always was intrigued by it, participating in sports and whatever. And um, all I ever wanted to do was coach and help people to reach their own level of achievement. And when I had the opportunity to go back to school, I that's what I focused on and have really never looked back. Well, you support men who have suffered traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries. How long have you been doing that? Honestly, I got into that uh, while I was... Um, Still doing my work at Arizona State University in exercise science and wellness because I was uh, I was being uh, introduced to people that had suffered these horrific injuries and uh, being an exercise physiologist uh, I treated them differently I treated them like athletes instead of like patients and uh, they responded versus they would never they rarely responded to physical therapy because uh, physical therapy was I would call them cherry pickers meaning that if somebody was going to be better, they were going to be better. And if somebody was tough, they were going to get written off. And so I always got the tough ones. And because I treated them as if they didn't, I treated them like an athlete. The reason that professional athletes do so well, Nigel, is because they get special treatment. They get loved. It's just like a, a young child. You love them. You give them nourishment, exercise. Guess what? They grow. 
and they flourish, right? You take a patient who's gone through horrific things in life and you dump on them, they fall apart. You take somebody who's had a horrific life and you love them unconditionally and you bring them all the nourishment on the planet, they flourish. So it doesn't matter. So somebody that comes from a well-to-do home and they have no love and no, and no nourishment, they can fall apart just as easily as somebody that came from the hood or the ghetto. doesn't matter. So love, unconditional love and proper nourishment. And when I say nourishment, it's not, just not food, but it's all the things that I spoke about early on. And, and in my case, it would have been a more loving, nurturing father, but I didn't have that. But I was... That was made up by coaches and teachers. And that's the reason I wanted to coach because I had such love from my coaches and teachers in my life. That saved my life. So for you to be motivated to do what you do now, is that a form of giving back? Oh, yeah, totally. A lot of that is giving back. I just am driven by it, you know, to the point of, you know, I have to be careful that I don't give too much away. We're heart-centered entrepreneurs, and so we get taken advantage of easily. And we have to be careful about that um, because we have to feed our families. We have to take care of ourselves. And people have to understand that I can get on a phone call with somebody, Nigel, and give them an exercise to do or a simple two or three things to do. And it will change their life, literally change their life. Because I'm old enough now that I have enough evidence that what I'm going to give somebody is going to work if they do it. And I know that there's value in that. And if I don't ask for the, for the payment, I'm not going to get it. So I have to be careful how I do that. And sometimes it comes across as a little bit uh, numb or whatever. There's other words here, but but I'm okay with that now. I love helping people. I love watching people flourish, especially at, at my age. I love, I'm doing some things now with the Grand Canyon here in Arizona, the seven wonders of the world, right? And I'm coaching people to go to have an adventure in the Grand Canyon. We just started a new program for that. And um, there's no better joy that I have bringing somebody out of the Grand Canyon after an, an amazing adventure and watching the, the look on their face and, and the joy in their heart. Cause I know what they, I know what they're feeling, that sense of accomplishment and they can carry that over into, into life, whether it's if they've come from a destructive relationship or destructive uh, home or horrific situation, doing something like that gives them evidence that their life has more to offer and they just now have to step into it and start living. You just mentioned destructive relationships. How did you become interested in coaching and mentoring men through divorce? To me, it's all the same stuff. I do a lot of work with relationships and I guess it bothers me a little bit when I see some of these um, Facebook groups for men, especially because you have two groups in there. You have the alpha males and you have the very weak, shy, ignorant young people, young men usually, that are, are looking for direction. In, in the States here, and I'm not sure exactly where it's at in the UK, but we're approaching 50% fatherless homes here, 50%, which means half the young men coming out into the world now don't have a strong role model. And with the way the schools are set up today, we're not getting that in with coaches and teachers as well like I had because of liability and all this other stuff. They're not as willing to stick their necks out like they used to be. Back in my day, there was never any talk about suing or liability and all that stuff. Were there people taking advantage of? Sure. But um, lawyers have scared a lot of people. So you're not getting that mentorship that uh, is so needed for young men. So moms are having to raise their kids. And so moms are having to utilize both their masculine and their feminine sides. And it's it's been a big struggle on women as well. So in these groups, the alpha males 
stick out like a sore thumb. And they're literally telling these guys, and I'm not saying all of it's bad, but a lot of it is like a true man has a strong core, a strong center, which means they're able to go to their feminine side when needed. And they can also go to their masculine side when needed, as a woman can as well. But a, a true man needs to be able to do that. But most men go to their masculine side too much, and that's when they get themselves in trouble. Or they go to their feminine side too much and get themselves in trouble as well, because then women will take advantage of that, and when they're done playing with that guy, they'll toss him to the curb. Well, in terms of the suicide rate for men, we were talking Mm -hmm. earlier about the fact the suicide rate for men is two-thirds higher than it is for women. So why do you think that is? Men are confused. Men are very confused. Women... Women have a lot more attempts at suicide. Men get it done. Men get it done, but men are confused. Look at the media in the States here, in TV. In the 60s, when I grew up, there was countless evidence of strong men in movies and TV. I don't have enough fingers and toes to count all the time. Since the probably the 90s, I can count on one hand the number of strong men in a movie or a TV show. Because most of the time, the strong man in a movie or TV show has an an addiction problem or a drug problem or some other kind of problem. There are no examples of strong men in movies. And so kids grow up seeing that stuff. They see strong women. Men need men to learn how to be a man. And I'm not talking about the alpha guy that's just telling them to go out there and, and, you know, go shooting and um, do goofy stuff, even though that's part of it. Okay. Learn how to change a tire in a car and learning how to make things. I mean, I, I miss some of that stuff. I got it from my friends, but I had a dad that was a mechanic and a, par- and a carpenter. He never taught me anything. He did the best he knew how because that's how he was raised. Talking about how boys are brought up, mm-hmm. how do you think boys are raised affects them negatively when they become adults, when they become men? 75%, if not higher. They're confused. They don't have, if you ever watch any NFL TV, even though I haven't been watching the NFL very much anymore, but when they used to inter- interview these guys and say, you know, who do you want to t- say hi to? They, how many times did they say hi to dad? Not Never. many. <laughs> Not many. Not many, brother. No. So it does affect them. And so, and what we usually do is we, then we go out and we attract a female who's generally opposite of us. Okay. So if we're not, Depending, if we're weak, we're going to attract a strong female. And at some point, that's going to cause problems unless we learn how to deal with a strong female. And remember, the world is raising strong females right now. I'm not saying that's bad, but we're raising strong females and weak men. That's bad. So why do you believe many guys struggle to express their emotions? Well, in general, because you're not supposed to show your emotions if you're a man, even though they're being raised by women that they see emotions all the time. But when they get out in the real world, alpha males tell them, you don't do that. So they're confused. So they, so they do nothing. So you say they're confused. Are they confused how to show their emotions in a positive way? Because from what I've read, many boys are brought up to show anger mm-hmm. and other negative emotions, but not necessarily positive emotions. I don't think that's what we're seeing today at all. I think if anything, we're doing the opposite. We have some little boys in my neighborhood I thought was amazing the other day. There was five little boys playing, and they're all playing with uh, trucks and boy toys. Versus in the media, they're showing that it's better to be playing with dolls and other things because these boy toys makes the kid rough and, and tumble kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I grew up. You know, I grew up playing cowboys and Indians and army man and whatever else we played. You know, throwing rocks at each other and whatever, whatever we could do. 
boys were doing boy things and girls, sometimes the girls jumped in there as well. But um, I don't know if today we're raising kids to be like that. Maybe some, but I think in general, we're not. If a kid draws a picture of a gun in school, Nigel, here in the States, they send him home. They send him home. So what message does that send to a five-year-old? Shouldn't be using guns. But I thought the U.S. was very proud of its gun culture. We are very proud. But there's a segment of our population, including the, the media, that's not. It's part of our Constitution. Most countries don't have that in their mm, Constitution. Yeah, the right to bear arms. That's exactly right. And it was never meant as that. It was meant when your government stood up against you. But little boys are being told at a very early age not to be little boys to be softer and gentler. So they're confused. So instead of developing their core and developing what I'm a big fan of is encouraging, understanding and encouraging through love that when they see a good behavior, encourage it. They see a bad behavior, ignore it or discourage it. But when a little boy is acting like a little boy, encourage it. When he is also being kind and gentle, encourage it. Then he learns what situations demand certain kind of behavior. It's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to stand up for your friend and stick up for yourself. It's okay. It's not bad. Now, it's not okay if you go attack somebody without reason. That's not good. We're going to discourage that. So it takes a lot of work to raise children. And guess what? When parents are working, you know, both not home and you've got babysitters maybe or brothers and sisters or nobody, they're going to learn it by hook and crook. And so there's a lot of confusion out there, especially with boys. Well, talking about confusion, what type of issues do you think are the biggest problems for men when they're dealing with their romantic or intimate relationships? Most do not know how to treat women. They don't know how to talk to them. They don't know how to treat them. They don't have any clue about what their needs and wants are. It's all about their needs and wants. Instead of putting themselves in their partner's brain and seeing the world from their partner's point of view, they're expecting their partner to see the world from their point of view, which is very egocentric, which is what they've learned. So we don't teach them unconditional love. So they jump into a relationship, usually a sexual thing, and then they have no idea what to do after that. They don't understand how to communicate with their partner. They don't understand how to, to meet their needs, because if you're not talking, you're not learning about them. They know what theirs are, and they don't understand why their needs aren't being met. And so then you have conflict. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, add a kid in there. Add some children in there. And then it gets even worse. Because what most women don't understand, this is on the women's side now, is whether you have children or not, if you're married in a relationship with somebody, you can't put your husband between you and your children. Well, maybe some women. Not all, but most. Because they don't understand that. That's why when I talk to ladies that are dating with children, I say, you know, you're dating somebody that potentially you, you would have to put before your child. And they go, get out of here. That'll never happen. I go, well, then just so you know, that person knows that and will understand that he'll never be first in your life. So how does a woman square that circle? Then? Unconditional love. And it starts with themselves. If the woman loves themselves unconditionally, Nigel, then they don't have any trouble giving away love. But if they don't love themselves unconditionally, they will go to others for love. And where's the, where's the easiest place to get unconditional love for a woman, her child? And that's what screwed up this country here in the 60s and 70s. Women used to marry for safety. Women married for safety. Coming from the farm or whatever, they met some guy. He had a job. He was strong. He could 
plow the field and do all these good things and take care of the farm and take care of the family. Security. Have a few children. Now I got unconditional love whenever I want it. My kids are here, right? They all love me. I'm nurturing. I'm cooking. I'm taking care of their home. They're cleaning their clothes. Beautiful thing, right? What a deal. Except they made one critical error. These are women. The error was children grow up. And when they grow up, they meet people who they love. And all of a sudden, mom wasn't first anymore. And that's why you have all the issues with cutting the apron strings and all that stuff. You hear all that in books and movies. Because it's true. Women had a hard time cutting loose of those apron strings because that was their that was that was their source of love. Because when those kids left and met people and moved away, went to college, they looked across the room and they go, "Oh my God, that guy sitting over there scratching his belly, drinking a beer—that's the guy I'm supposed to love." Uh-uh. And you know what happened? The divorce rate in this country went sky high because then they went out and found love first because they already had their security. They took their money and left, and they found love. Well, across the world, generally, I believe the divorce rate is around 50%. And that's why, because that's the reason. Women will seek safety first. Men will seek uh, significance first. Look at me. You know, I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm this, I'm that. I'm good looking. You have to be with me. I'm important. And then love comes second. And until couples learn how to flip love and for men, significance, for women, it's uh, safety. Until love becomes first, they will always struggle in their relationships. Always. Well, I understand you have worked with the Tony Robbins organization. So when right. was that? And how did that happen? You know, it probably I was first introduced to him uh, probably about 10 years ago by a client of mine in rehab. She had broken her back. And so she introduced me to what he was doing. And she had worked with some people and all that stuff. And I think it was one night I was watching a uh, one of these when he used to be on the TV at late at night. And I just ordered his program. And then I've gone through a number of his coaching programs as well. I always loved his philosophy and his technique. And um, I try to, they're part of my mix. Because we're about the same age. Tony and I, I think I'm a year older than Tony. And we have very similar uh, relationships as well. He married somebody with kids, as, as I did. And that was a big part of that. So it's been a, it's been a big part of my coaching life since I closed my rehabilitation clinics a few years ago. So what other interests do you have, Arnie? Well, my biggest interest, Nigel, is um, adventures. We just put together a really cool program to, um, it actually started off as a program for high-end business people and teams, especially after with COVID going on and a way to get teams back together, learn how to communicate, work through shared vulnerabilities and the things that you do when you go on a big adventure. And since I've been a big fan of going into the Grand Canyon and, and, and I've done it so many times now, I, people have been saying, hey, you should share that with people. And I thought, oh. but I was finally ready to. And so we put together a program where we can, um, we will take people on adventures and into the Grand Canyon. And they, we put teams of people together and explore and do some wonderful things and come together and um, celebrate and, and uh, create great memories from people. Because Nigel, there's nothing like working through tough stuff in life to bring people together and to take you to a higher level. The Grand Canyon is very serious, so there's a lot of preparation involved with that. But we're going to do other things as well when, when things start to open up more from COVID. But um, right now, we can do the Grand Canyon because it's, it's here in my state. And uh, so that excites me to work. Uh, I was just talking to somebody earlier today about doing uh, couples retreats, and uh, we're going to involve music and art. These are things that we can use to help facilitate love and communication amongst people, because that's where we have to start. 
all these things we've talked about can all be eliminated with love because the number one fear in the world is I'm not going to be loved. And tied for number one is I'm not enough. And I guarantee you ask any of the guys that you're working with and they're going to tell you that. And so they do stupid things to, to get attention for love or they're always trying to prove that they are good enough. And one of the things I teach is in my courses that we're doing is, do you have what it takes? Because men need to hear that from other men. They need to hear, wow, dude, you've got what it takes to be a, a guy, a man. And it doesn't mean you're going around, you know, jumping off a cliff or something. It means you've got what it takes to have courage and stand up and, and take on things physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And we have what it takes. You don't panic. You don't fall apart. And we need to hear that from other men. It's one thing to hear from your mom or your girlfriend or your wife, but you got to hear it from other men. And women need to hear it from women. You've got what it takes to be a great mom. You've got what it takes to be, you know, a, a great lover, a great wife, a great a manager or owner of a company. You've got what it takes, girl. I tell that to women all the time, but they need to hear it from women. Men need to hear it from men. And uh, we're not getting enough of that today. So we want to put those scenarios together, whether they be a retreat or a great adventure, where people can c start to come together and collaborate and really hear these things from other people because it's needed. It's needed. So Arnie, how can people contact you? So I'm going to give you my number. My phone number is 602-390-9144. 602-390-9144. So you can always call or text me. You can go on Facebook, just Arnie Fonseca Jr. Arnie Fonseca Jr. Look me up on Facebook. You can go to LinkedIn, Arnie Fonseca Jr. as well on LinkedIn. Look me up on LinkedIn. Instagram at Coach Arnie F. I'm even on TikTok. I got quite a few videos on TikTok, probably a hundred of them. And uh, you can see some goofy stuff that I've done. Worst comes to worst, Google me. Just put my name in Google and you'll get pages and pages of stuff. So when someone says they can't get a hold of me, it's because they're not trying. Arnie in Arizona, USA. Thank you very much for your time. Nigel, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. And anytime I can help you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Another In Conversation podcast coming soon.